If you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Anytime week one, it's, it's always huge to be able to start off on the right foot, but let alone it's AFC North football um, against the Bengals. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to everyone in Steeler Nation. Welcome to Saverin on Steelers podcast. I'm Stan Saverin, weekday host on ESPN Pittsburgh from noon until 2, 970 a.m. or on your iHeartMedia app. And also, beginning Sunday, the co-host on the Steelers postgame show on the Steelers radio network alongside former Steeler quarterback Charlie Batch. Join us each and every postgame show following Steelers games beginning this Sunday in Cincinnati. Glad you found us on the podcast. Uh, If you enjoy what you hear, please tell your friends, as we've just started a couple of weeks ago and looking forward to doing this all season long. Game one against the Cincinnati Bengals. You're going against the division champion from last year and a Super Bowl participant and a team that came a couple of plays away from actually being a Super Bowl champion. Been a while for the AFC North. Looks to be a very competitive division. The Bengals... I wonder how real they are. I'm not going to take away from anything they accomplished last year. I don't think you can do that in all fairness. They got hot at the right time. They beat some really good teams along the way. And as I mentioned earlier, they came really within a play or two of winning a Super Bowl. It's interesting about the Bengals. They've been there three times. And each and every time, they've been very, very close to winning. First two times against the 49ers and last year against the Rams. Maybe it's just those West Coast teams that give them trouble. The Bengals, however, it should also be mentioned, and this is a new year. They've made some additions. We're going to hear about that in just a little bit from Dave Lapham. Dave is a former guard for the Bengals. He was a very good player. He's been on the Bengals radio network as their color analyst for a number of years, and we'll hear from him in just a few minutes. But the Bengals, when you look at them, big surprise, going from worst to first in the division, and it continues to underscore what's been a trend in the NFL. 17 of the last 19 years, one team has gone from being last in the division the previous year to first the following season. The Bengals did that from 2020-2021. But let's keep things in perspective. Clearly, they're a team on the rise, team that you have to take very seriously now, which may, by the way, come back to bite them. But the Bengals, despite all that, 
I say only, but we're only 10 and 7. If things go differently, and I know every team has a list of laments that they can outline, the Steelers finished a half game behind them. And nobody was terribly impressed at 9-7 and 1, yet here were the Bengals 10 and 7. Now, to be honest and and forthright, the Bengals did rest everybody of significance the last regular season game because they had everything wrapped up. It didn't help them to win the game. They arrested all the regulars, most of them anyway, and ended up losing that game. But still, they were 10-7. and seven. It's not like they were a powerhouse like you might consider Buffalo. And by the way, who wouldn't after seeing what they did uh, to the Rams in the season opener or, or the Chiefs? Generally, the two teams regard as the best in the AFC. Time will tell. But the Bengals are an up-and-coming team, but let's keep in perspective they were only 10-7. and Now, that doesn't matter anymore. But it does matter in this regard, in two areas, I believe. Number one, and I alluded to it earlier, nobody's going to fall asleep in preparing for the Bengals. Now, the preparation for every team every week is the same. It's intense. It takes a great deal of time, and a lot of effort is put into it. But on game day, just sometimes players are human beings. They look at what used to be the Bengals, a doormat, a four-win team from a couple years ago. And there's just that little edge that isn't there as opposed to preparing for a team you know is going to be a tough one. That won't happen for Cincinnati anymore. Teams are on the lookout. Number two, although the Bengals fared uh, fared very well against playoff teams last year, 7-3 and three record, they played a last-place schedule. Having finished last in the division in 2020, they were given a first-place schedule or excuse me, a last-place schedule for 2021. They finished last in the division in 2020, so therefore they play a last-place schedule. Well, as a division winner, this year they'll be playing a first-place schedule. It does matter. Last year, the Steelers played a first-place schedule. And I don't know if the outcomes would have been any different, but they had a very difficult schedule. Some of that is random because it A lot of it is based on what NFC division are you going to play. That is is part of the element of it as well. Although, frankly, the Steelers playing last year played the NFC North, and outside of Green Bay, there's not much there. Yet they still managed to lose to the Minnesota Vikings, and what really killed them, tied the Detroit Lions. I know if, if, if... But had they beaten the Lions, as they should have, instead of that tie, they would have been 10-7 and and tied for the division lead. Tiebreakers would have come into play, but also, being fair about it, if the division was at stake, the Bengals wouldn't have rested everybody in the last week of the season. So that's last year. But I do think it will come into play for Cincinnati this year. Much of the talk leading up, at least from the Pittsburgh end, is how upset the Steelers were, some of them, over Tyler Boyd's comments 
after the first game, which the Bengals won at what was then known as Heinz Field, 24-10 the final, Tyler Board, Pittsburgh, born and raised, played at Pitt, has become a terrific third wide receiver and a good guy. I've had the opportunity to interview Tyler on a number of occasions. He's a really good young man. But he said it looked like the Steelers quit at the end of that game. I don't know if quit is a word you don't use with professional athletes because they take offense, as they should. But the Steelers say now that they were really upset by that. I remember heading into game two when that was brought up. Several players said, oh, that doesn't matter. It's not a factor. Well, now suddenly, apparently, it is, at least for some. My only question about that would be, if you were so upset about what Boyd said after the first game against Cincinnati, why weren't you mad enough to do something about it in the second game in which the Steelers were humiliated 41 to 10 did it take him six months of an offseason to get upset about that I guess what I'm saying is if you were so upset about what Boyd said after game one in the matchup from 2021 why didn't that have any effect in game two now all of a sudden After dwelling on it, you're mad? If the Steelers have anything to be mad about, it's the way they played against the Bengals. Certainly in Game 2, they were barely competitive. 41-10, what more can you possibly say? I realize that journalists such as myself, fans out there, We don't react the same way that players do. And I long learned a long time ago that what may seem silly to, at least me, about bulletin board material and all that stuff, I would would always say, you're mad about that? What are you mad about? But players do take that. For example, when T.J. Hushmanzada and others cleaned the mud off their cleats with a terrible towel, Steeler players were up in arms, and I said, isn't that silly? But to them, it was very real, and it served as motivation. So I don't dismiss that. I just wonder about the timing of it all. The Bengals had a really unusual preseason camp in that Joe Burrow had an emergency appendectomy. Jesse Bates their Pro Bowl safety, held out. He had a contract issue. Eventually signed for the franchise tag salary. Arguably the two most important people on either side of the ball. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. 
in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. Dave Lapham joins us now. Dave, as I mentioned earlier, an outstanding guard in his playing career with the Bengals and for any number of years now. He's been the color analyst on the Bengals radio network. Dave, it's a pleasure to have you join us. And I'm wondering, after so many years of, shall we say, disappointing seasons in Cincinnati, now they're coming back from having played in the Super Bowl. And I'm just wondering, either at the beginning of training camp or even earlier, OTAs, those kinds of things, did you sense there was a different air about these Bengals who start the year as defending AFC champions. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the two seasons before the Super Bowl run last year, there was 625 and 1. That's uh, the lowest winning percentage in the National Football League in 2019 and 2020. And then they just turned around in 2021. And quite honestly, Stan, middle of December, they were 7 and 6. They lost back to back home games to the Chargers by 20. And they lost in overtime to the 49ers at their at their stadium. So, you know, seven and four, I'm thinking they might make a playoff spot. And then seven and six, I'm thinking, well, maybe uh, they just, you know, finish decently and, and build a little bit for next year. And then they caught fire. And Joe Burrow in particular caught fire. I mean, the guy just uh, down the stretch, 11 touchdown passes, no interceptions. I mean, number one quarterback rating in the National Football League is number one completion percentage, number one across the board. And the team followed suit, and I, you know, they came up short in the in the big contest. So I think their mindset right now is the unfinished business type of scenario, where you know came close but just didn't finish it off. And they they feel like they've got a pretty good roster, a pretty good roster depth, top to bottom. And honestly, I feel like with the improvements they made in their offensive line, I think they're a better football team at this time this uh, this year than they were last year. But as we know, it certainly doesn't mean that it's going to lead to, you know, the success they had last year. There's a lot of uh, variables there. And uh, they played their best football at the best, most opportune time and took full advantage of it. Doesn't mean they're going to do it this year. What clicked, Dave? What happened, Middle? You're right. I mean, the, most people around here uh, were disappointed in the Steelers being 9-7-1, and 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 yet 10-7 and won the division. Um, and the Bengals clearly got hot at the right time. Uh, and records be damned, um, they proved it in the AFC uh, playoffs, if not the Super Bowl as well. What clicked, as you mentioned, in mid-December? Uh, defense. They started playing unbelievably salty defense. And uh, in, in the playoffs, they held their first two playoff opponents to under 20 points. And on an average basis, including the Super Bowl, uh, the opposition scored just over 20 points a game. So... Defensively, they kept the, the football team in every single contest. They had eight interceptions by seven different players 
in, in three playoff games and the Super Bowl on a four-game stretch. And they recovered a fumble as well. So they had nine takeaways and only two giveaways. Mm. They went plus seven. And as we know, that's usually a winning formula. You you accumulate more possessions and take some away from the opponent. You got a better chance to win football games, particularly close football games. And the Steelers last year were phenomenal in that, in that area. They went seven, one, and one in games decided by seven points or less. Every single playoff game last year for the Bengals was a seat squirmer. You know, I mean, they're winning, they're winning games by three points at the gun because of a takeaway, you know, tip pass interception or whatever it was at the end of playoff games. And it was just, uh, it was remarkable the way they just, they finished those close games. There was no question about that. It seemed like all the turnovers were, came off of Ben's arm. You know, it just, it just seemed like that in the two games he played against Cincinnati. Uh, Dave, I, there's an interesting parallel here to me uh, in these two teams that will meet on Sunday in that they spent a lot of their free agent capital on offensive linemen. Um, three of the Bengals, Lyle Collins and Kappa uh, and, and Karras, uh, the Steelers uh, with James Daniels and, and uh, uh, Mason Cole. Uh, and this is a question right up your alley. Um, clearly, they brought in better talent. But one of the things that has been an issue with the Steelers is cohesion. They haven't played much together. Guys get hurt. They don't want to play them because they get hurt. So even with, I know Lyle Collins was hurt for a while, um, is that a concern of the Bengals, even though they've bolstered their talent, that no one knows better than you, that cohesion on the offensive line is absolutely paramount? No doubt. And I think that is a very interesting parallel. And um, and now they, they've got those three veterans at center, right guard, and right tackle, like you talk about. And then they have a, a rookie, Cordell Volson, fourth-round pick at left guard. So 80% of their offensive line, four out of five guys, are new starters compared to the offensive line that performed last year. Well, the only holdover was Jonah Williams. And there's no doubt in my mind that uh, I think both offensive lines might even be playing better in the second half than they are in the first half of the opener. You know, you just you do need some repetition. Even though you've got guys that, in the, in the Bengals case, for instance, they've got those three veteran guys you mentioned in free agency, Karras, Cap, and Collins, have 236 NFL games under their belt. 174 starts. Ted Karras won two Super Bowls on the, with the New England Patriots. Um, Kappa won one with Tampa Bay, the common denominator being Tom Brady, obviously. But so they know what it's supposed to look like, and they can. I don't think they're going to be fooled. And the veterans with Pittsburgh, same way. It's like we've seen all this. Now you know it might be we communicate in a different language, but it's recognition, it's communication. And make sure you're on the right page with in terms of the language so you can communicate up and down the line of scrimmage. But then it's like, all right, I want to see a, a tackle end twist with a linebacker blitzing off the edge live and, and see how deep my tackle sets. And I might need to make a little adjustment there so I don't provide a lane for penetration that's going to cause those problems. All those little refinements, all those little things that, you know, uh, have five playing as one, you, you can't take for granted. Now, the fact that they're veteran guys and and they have been exposed to the National Football League, the speed of the game, the talent level, and all those sort of things are, are tremendous pluses. But just like anything, repetition breeds comfort level. Um, you know, a teacher is better in his fifth year than he is his first year. A lawyer is the same way, same with offensive line working together. So the fact that they haven't done anything live, in a, even in a preseason game, they did have two very good practices, though, against the L.A. Rams that were – 
very, very physical and, um, and, and good tempo. And so they did start to establish a rhythm there. I think that was their best work of the entire preseason. By the way, since you mentioned that and watching the Rams last night, uh, what precipitated that helmet-swinging incident by Aaron Donald? And it was interesting um, that nothing came of that. The Rams said, we'll handle it internally, and everybody here in Pittsburgh yeah. and around the league remembers Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Uh, what 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 started all that? And, I mean, was, was Donald the only guilty party there? Yeah, there was a there was a brawl. I mean, uh, the number ones were going against the number ones, twos were going against twos on separate football fields, and uh, L.C. Lyle Collins was getting after it with Floyd, their edge rush guy. They had a couple of skirmishes that broke off. The second one gets broken off. Third one turns into a Donnybrook. I mean, it's it's really a big skirmish, and everybody starts you know into the into the fray, and it's a and it's a it's a scenario that could have gotten out of control. And that's when Aaron Donald grabbed the helmet off of a Bengal player and, and smashed Cordell Wilson, the rookie lineman, in the head. Unfortunately, he had his helmet on. But the uh, I saw a photograph of the actual contact of the helmet to helmet. And the compression of the hit was amazing. And, yeah, it was not a good look for Aaron Donald. He swung that thing about 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And the league the league said, you know, look, you, you people decided to do this on your own. You guys handle it. So the Rams say they're going to handle it internally. So, I'm not sure much was done at all except bad boy, no more. Let me talk about the defense here. Um, uh, people, you know, people are well aware it's it as a as a trio. It's the best wide receiving core in the NFL. Everybody understands that Joe Burrow is just a superstar in the making. If he's not already, uh, Joe Mixon uh, has to be reckoned with the improvement on the offensive line. But as you pointed out, I think uh, in, in a germane fashion, that the defense was significantly better by bringing in players. One of those players you lost, and he ends up in Pittsburgh. I happen to think Larry Ogunjobi is a terrific football player. I thought so when he was with Cleveland. Uh, I thought he was a significant part of the of the Bengals' front last year. Um, how have they replaced him? Um, and do they think they're at least as good defensively as they were last year? I agree with you about Larry Ogunjobi. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And he's uh, he's almost completed the entire circuit of the AFC North. He just has to go to Baltimore now. Yeah. <laughs> he's been to three, three out of the four stops. And, uh, and he is a disruptive force. I mean, when he lines up in that three technique, he is a penetrator. I mean, he's a he's a guy that inverts the line of scrimmage in the running game and the passing game. He's got tremendous first-step quickness. He's got excellent hands. I think he's a hell of a player. He had seven sacks for the Bengals. And then when you have seven sacks for an interior pass rusher that's collapsed in the pocket, that's significant. So I, I think that, uh, you know, he, he's, a, he's definitely a force. There's no, there's no doubt. And Cordell Wilson, as a rookie, maybe having Cameron Haywood to have to block some, and then Larry Oak and Joby and Alu Alu, depending on where he lines up in the one technique. I mean, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a long day at the office. That's a good day's work for a first start for an NFL rookie player. So that was going to be an interesting thing to watch. And in terms of replacing him, uh, B.J. Hill, they, they've gotten a trade from the Giants for Billy Price, and it worked out in the Bengals' favor. B.J. Hill got a contract extension for quite a few bucks, and Billy Price is no longer a Giant. I don't think he's in the league at all. So they got him as an interior defensive tackle, three-technique guy, and they drafted uh, Zach Carter out of Florida in the third round who's kind of an Ogan Joby type. You know, he's a big guy that can has an excellent first-step quickness and, and tremendous get-off and can penetrate and disrupt. So that's the way they're trying to handle that on a rotational basis. Last thing for you, Dave, and this is kind of an aesthetic question. I 
because I apologize for in advance, but I, I find it interesting. Um, uh, I went to college at Miami of Ohio, so I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with Cincinnati and, you know, what, what it's like down there. Um, uh, I'm sure Miami's not proud of that, but I am anyway, <laughs> that I actually got a degree from there. But uh, in any event, um, for so many, many, many years, I mean, the Reds have been the kingpins there in terms of attention. Uh, the Bengals, of course, at, at times. But, I, I, uh, the, the, you know, the stories about the Bungles and, and the Escaloser outside the stadium and all that kind of stuff. Coming off a of Super Bowl, do you detect um, a different sense of community in the community uh, about rallying behind the Bengals now that they have emerged as one of the best teams in the NFL? Yeah, I think the Reds are struggling, and the Bengals are at the top, um, you know, in terms of AFC champion in the fans' opinions. But honestly, like you say, Stan, it's a baseball town. I mean, it's one of the original franchises, and Cincinnati baseball is, is historic and iconic and will never be, you know, replaced as such. But it was the third trip to the Super Bowl for the Bengals, and I think this one excited the fan base the most because, like we talked about earlier, a 6-25-1 record for a couple of seasons. They came out of nowhere. It was like, why not us? And it ends up being them. And they went all the way to the to the uh, Super Bowl and, and couldn't quite get it done. And it kind of captured the imagination of not only Cincinnati, the Tri-State area, and nationally. I mean, they've, they've picked up a lot of fans nationally on their social media stuff. And the, the uh, Super Bowl, man, they, I bet it was three to one. Bengal fans to Rams fans. And it was their home stadium. Outside, I mean, you know, the, 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 the uh, seats were assigned. Each team got their amount of seats to sell. But out in the streets, in the, the fans were, you know, kind of getting around the, the stadium to hear it as well as watch it. It was Bengal fans were everywhere. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be the largest crowd they've ever had. Last year's playoff game against the Raiders was the largest crowd. This one is going to exceed that. No. And finally, they won't be scalping tickets to Steelers fans. It'll be a Bengal crowd. It'll be good to see. Our thanks to Dave Lapham of the Cincinnati Bengals Radio Network as the Steelers get set for the, as they used to say uh, in the olden days, the lid lifter on the 2022 season. Hope you enjoy the Saverin on Steelers podcast. A couple of things to keep in mind. Um, you found it, and that's where you will find it, at Steelers.com. And, again, if you do like the content that we provide, please uh, let your friends know and uh, give them a shout. Let them know that they can listen to Steelers-only content right here from the heart of the Steelers radio network. A reminder that I have a show each weekday afternoon on ESPN Pittsburgh. That's 970 a.m. or on your iHeartMedia app. Easily to get. We're there every day from noon until 2, talking a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers football. And don't forget... After the game is over, as you listen on the Steelers Radio Network, Charlie Batch, the former Steeler quarterback, and I team up to bring you some, we think, uh, really solid post-game coverage. And, of course, that includes you with your phone calls. So we'll look forward to talking to you this Sunday after the Steelers play the Cincinnati Bengals. We do two podcasts per week. Thanks for joining us on Sabrin on Steelers. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. 
Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.